My name is Bill O'Heron, founder of Whole Counseling. If you want to learn to design your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to the More Than Corporate podcast with my good friend, Amber Furman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate podcast. You guys, I am so excited to bring to you this amazing interview with Bill O'Haran. Bill is a licensed social worker. He's a corporate executive. He's a practicing therapist. He's a writer. Um, he has 33 years of financial sales management experience. He uses that along with his 24 years of marriage, 15 years counseling clients, and 8,500 hours of my absolute favorite, sitting quietly to help help his clients better understand themselves and deepen their relationships. He is absolutely amazing as we have already <laughs> discovered. And he ties into everything we talk about on this, that we are married to our old unconscious emotions more than we are to our spouse, which is amazing. And his research shows that relationships fail for one reason, a lack of understanding of your own emotions and reaction patterns created in childhood, which you guys know I love. So <laughs> I am super, super, super excited for this interview. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Amber. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate it. As my wife says, <clears throat> I'm incapable of small talk. And I don't know if that's a curse or a, uh, a blessing, but um, I love the interaction. The interaction you and I have already had for the first 25 minutes. And uh, I'm just, I'm honored to be here and I, I really appreciate your time. I love it. Yeah, my mom always tells me I'm the only person that can go buy a car and leave with a friend. So it's exactly. like, I just my wife's don't like, get it. So. How did you end up 15 minutes talking to that guy? I'm like, yeah. I, I don't know what else is there. Exactly. Like, yeah. what do I have to do with my time? You know, when we were talking about this before we came on and, and I think one of the most powerful things that I've learned recently is the fact that, you know, people are in your life for a particular period of time. So that 15 minutes that you get, you can be distracted and maybe miss out on an amazing 15 minutes of conversation totally. where you can be present and in the moment and have something that impacts your life in exactly the way it's supposed to impact it. And then go on to the next thing that impacts your life. But you can't do that if you're split and your mind is in four different places at the same time. 100%. Robert Monroe wrote three books. He's There's the Monroe Institute down in Virginia. His daughter runs it. And he studied out-of-body experiences for literally 45 years. And, and what he says, and this correlates to what all the research shows with people that have near-death experiences, people that go and come back, he says, all we have in life is shared experience. That's all there is. We're not going to take the, the computer. We're not going to take the car. All this is moments of shared experience. And it's a matter of, did you give it all for that moment or did you not, did you hold something back? And you know, as I was listening to you describe your life and just every moment when possible, there's something rich in there because if that's all we take with us is some kind of moment and it's a series of moments, then, you know, I just started, when I read that 12 years ago, I'm like, man, I just got to slow down and, and have these moments. So, and, and, and in my sales practice and counseling practice, I'm trying to hold space so that people can experience themselves and I can try to share what I have and they can share what they have. So that. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that I absolutely love the part in your bio where you sit quietly and allow people to understand because we know everything, you know, it's just, we have this conscious mind that gets in the way of our unconscious mind doing what it needs to do. And so, so many times people want to give advice. And if you just let, if you just listen, people will talk themselves through it. Like I know everybody listening has had that situation where a friend calls you and they're asking for advice. And then they say like 45 minutes worth of words and you say nothing. And they say, Hey, thanks so much for the talk. Bye. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yogananda wrote a book. It's called Autobiography of a Yogi. Let me just tell you, Steve Jobs had one book next to his bed his entire life. 
It was Yogananda's book, Autobiography of a Yogi. Steve Jobs died at his funeral in 2015. There was 500 people at the funeral. When people left, they got a box, a wooden box. What was inside that box? Autobiography of a Yogi. The entire book, you don't have to read it. The entire synopsis is when you slow down and, and tune in, in the silence, you get to a place in between your left brain and your right brain. He calls that intuition. There's a truth about self that is beyond the senses and it's a knowing it's a physical experience when you know something it's 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 as if you were you know somebody hits you on the arm it's like ooh, there's a knowingness that you actually have bio biomagnetically bioelectrically truth is intuition and it's stored in your heart and belly your heart's got forty thousand brain neurons your heart and your gut has more intelligence than literally any part of your body and if we don't spend time tuning into there amber our, le our left brain isn't the ruler it's the follower the rulers yeah. our heart and our gut and you know that yeah it's absolutely powerful. and you know it's so interesting because how many times has something happened good or bad and somebody says oh my gosh i knew this was going to happen and we are taught so much that we're supposed to act a socially acceptable way so if we're walking down a street and we get that like creepy gut feeling, we try to convince ourselves like that it, we should ignore it because whatever the circumstances, we're jumping to conclusions, we're making judgments, we're, we're overreacting, whatever that is. When I really dug into the way the mind works, when I got my NLP certifications and really started learning all of that, I realized that if I leave a situation because of that, like the the um, consequences for being right and not doing anything are so much more than the consequences for totally. being wrong and feeling like you have to justify yourself. You nailed it. You nailed it. And I think what's amazing is that women tend to be more, they have a deeper intuitions because their right brain, your right, your emotional, the limbic system, the belly, the heart, the midbrain is more tuned in than in the, I think for men, we have to work harder at our intuition because we're designed to solve things. Whereas the feminine energy, which is the energy of the universe, is a divine feminine, which which guides everything. Um, you know, I always go to my wife, right? Left or right? Left. Like, I just trust it, you know? And, and, and not to say I can't, you know, hopefully I'm a big boy enough that I can make some, you know, decent decisions. But there's a gut intuition that is really, really powerful. And I think the feminine, here's what I'll tell you, that over time, the feminine's rising again because it is time because you know these last all cultures were based on the matriarch was based on the divine feminine and it's time for us to swing back to that i have three daughters so maybe i'm speaking my own my own gut but the feminine intuition and knowledge is something that our culture our community our world needs more of and it's going to get more of by hook or by crook it's coming it's it's beautiful i'm not going to disagree with you um, that's <laughs> i don't want to go new agey but i'm, I'm gonna really <laughs> you know i've i study to this day tonight i'll do 40 minutes of Hindu mantras, Hindu meditation, and of the, all the, the Hindus are kind of the original dudes, people, and it's all feminine based. It's the divine feminine, mother earth, the universe. It, it's so, anyway, that, it, that just sparked from it, the, the sense of intuition is a place that all people, the only way to get to it, you can't get to it any other way, but in the silence. The problem with the silence is that there's memories, emotions, sensations from childhood that were like, no, I don't want it. Our rational brain, biomagnetically, from a scientific basis point, our neuro, our neuro neocortex, the youngest part of our brain, resists emotions. And it does it in the reticular activating system in the center of our brain, where it's a traffic cop. Our emotions are coming up from the limbic, get into the RAS. The neocortex is like, I don't want to remember fourth grade. She dropped me like a hot rock. Dad left the house. No, no, no. But as soon as you introduce your emotions to your rational adult self, <gasps> yes, you're going to cry. Yes, you're going to open up. Yes, you're going to weep. But through the weeping, you're opening up to the beauty. Emotions store all the intelligence, yeah. right? Our, re our left brain is just an echo. In yeah. fact, our left brain as a human being is built on top of our limbic system. From zero to 10, we're pure limbic. We soak up the life experience of our parents and they soaked up their parents. So really- we're soaking for the first 10 years of our life, our grandparents, grandparents, grandparents. And so it's all collected in there. Our rational mind can believe it or not, but the fact is our heart's an antenna. We absorbed our parents' lives. It's not good or bad. It's just a story. And if you get behind the story and get into the feelings, boop, life pops. 
Yeah. And let's talk about that for just a minute. Cause I think this is super powerful in all types of relationships and life, but especially for entrepreneurs who are stepping out and trying to do something different on a daily basis. You know, we spend so much time trying to convince other people while, why we're right. Why we spend, us? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We spend yeah. so much time trying to convince people why they're wrong in their choices, right? Why they're wrong in the problem they think they have, why they actually have this problem. One of the most powerful things that was ever said to me when I, I asked somebody, I said, this makes zero sense. Is this real? And someone said, does it matter? Because their brain thinks it's real. Mm. And as long as their brain thinks it's real, it's going to dictate everything they do, right? So when you're dealing with clients and they're telling you the problem they have and you're trying to say, no, that's dumb. Like, that's not the problem you have. <laughs> like, so when you said what you said about being able to just feel things and experience things, it also allows us to understand that other people are feeling and experiencing things as well and acknowledge that we accept them to take them where they need to go instead of try to change them for lack of a better word. I think that's, I just got goosebumps. What you just said is pretty much the most important thing. If, if somebody asked me, what was the one biggest takeaway of 25 years of meditation? I celebrated 25 years of meditation a couple of weeks ago. When you, when I understand my own sadness, my own longing, my own joy, my own, my own experience of just who I am, I suddenly realize that everyone else is going through the exact same thing. And really, we don't truly know another until we know ourselves. We are the filter to know the world. And so when I started tapping into that younger child, my 14-year-old, my eight-year-old, I saw my daughter, my wife's eight-year-old coming at me. You know, when she was, you know, in her 40s and 50s, I could see the little girl frustration in her. I could see the little girl in her because I could see the little boy in me. Yeah. And I oh think that's you right. And so what happens is in marriage, especially, it doesn't matter with your boss, your grandmother, it doesn't matter. Every relationship's the same way. My wife's just kicking up stuff in me. And it's not her. She, I just have to own my stuff. I have to do my 100% of my 50% of the relationship. How do I do that? Oh, she just was dismissive to me. She gave me the hairy eyebrow. I feel less than, oh, that's my 14-year-old. I go to my cave. I go to my meditation and go, ah, oh, that's feeling 14. Oh, I watched mom browbeat dad for all these years. And now she's kind of browbeating me, but she's not trying to. She's just doing her thing. And I come back and I share that. The word relationship comes from Latin, relatus, to carry back. A marriage, a relationship is a verb. You kick up something in me through this dialogue, whatever it is, I go, I take that. I'm like, oh, that makes me feel less than great. I go back to my cave. Oh, that's from fifth grade. And then I share that with you, relatus. I carry back what I feel is the truth, is an insight. I share that with you, vulnerability, vitamin V, and the relationship deepens somehow. Because you, I'm being honest, you're like, oh, that's interesting. I had a similar experience. And suddenly there's a relationship happening. And marriages, forget about vulnerability because all kinds of stuff builds up. But yeah, it, it's, it's self. It's all self. I wish there was another way. And if there's another way out there, for growth and completion, please somebody come tell me because yes. I've been searching for 25 years. And so I know and, I'm still and, searching. And we search for that easy button and we find yeah. out that the only, like that there is no easy button, right? It's I, kind of messy work being, yes. being, as you know, self-awareness is like, oh, really? But here's what I'll say. There is no joy greater than a, a meditation session or relaxation or therapy session when you got into that sadness and longing and oh my God. And on the other side of that is a, is a, a euphoric joy of appreciation that is 10 times deeper than it'll ever be if you don't go down to the cave. You don't yep. go down to the abyss, as Joseph Campbell says. You got to go into the abyss. I know it's not fun down there, but it's it's a temporary not fun. And you'll be back. But the joy is incalculable. You can't summarize it. It's yeah. Beautiful. You know, this is a perfect conversation for all of the people out there who are setting goals for themselves right now. You know, they're getting to the point where if you're doing what you should be, if you're doing what I have told you to do for the last four months, you're analyzing how well your quarter one goals happened. So you can make quarter two. Um, if you're not, that was my mom voice that I don't <laughs> have. Um, so 
people want to set these goals and they want to say, okay, this is where I want to go. This is where I want to be. And too often we don't find out the most important piece of information, which is where we're starting, Mm. but where we're starting requires us to go to where you just said, it requires us to go to the emotions. It requires us to have those real conversations about what our weaknesses are and what almost worse than our weaknesses, what our strengths are. Cause we're taught our entire life not to talk about our strengths. Right. So, you know, too many times people avoid this and they're like, it's all right. I'll just outrun it. I think that Bill and I can both tell you that outrunning it doesn't work. Oh, I've tried. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have tried. You ask my wife. I've been running for a long time. I'm never sure if I'm running towards something or away from something, but it's typically away Probably from Probably both at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So I love Powerful. asking everybody this question because I, we unfortunately live in a world where people love to watch their kid take their first steps and then ask them what they want to be when they grow up and expect them to plan their future. <laughs> so now that we're on the other side of that madness, when you look back on your life, 12, 13, 14, what did you think your life was going to look like? Hmm. Wow. Wow. Ooh, I don't have, but I don't think I've been asked that. Um, I thought I'd be in some kind of teaching mode. If, if, if I could just ground it down to one kind of thought experience of, you know, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, how old was that? Yeah, about eighth grade-ish, ninth grade-ish. I thought I'd be in some kind of teaching something art-like role, but I was too in play, which was good in being in the state of play, I think, to even actually imagine that far down. But I... I always had dreams of, you know, being out in the world, doing something meaningful beyond that. It's a, it's a little vague. Yeah. And (laughs) it's a great question. We, um, we talked about kind of how you eventually ended up there. Um, where did you, what was that process like for you? Because I know that there's a lot of people who are going to relate to this journey. So the journey, how I got from kind of hardcore yeah, so left brain financial to you obviously didn't go um, to school and get a degree in education um, <laughs> initially. Yes, later. correct. You um, got it. So what what did you do post high school? What yeah. was your career? I got out of college. I sat in my parents' kitchen in September '86 with a tear in my eye, going, "What the heck am I going to do with an English major?" And my buddies were going off and like, you know, they're going to go skiing. I'm like, I got to, I got to get a job. And the only thing that made sense was sales. Why? I have no idea. Personable, whatever. I'm Irish. I have, don't really, I still don't have any real skills, but we can tell a story and we can, I can feel into, I can lean into moments. That's one thing I knew I could do is I could really hold the space and lean in. Even at that age, I kind of knew I was, I liked the interaction and I set off and I was had really, really, kind of tremendous for me, success, you know, got me to London. And what happened was there was something missing. I would come home at night and, you know, I, you know, had money in the bank and we're traveling and all this stuff. I'm like, man, oh man. And I couldn't hold on to a relationship because every time the relationship started getting real and I was asked to be more vulnerable, I was like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. And then my girlfriend at the time, I was 31, she, I was having some work issues and she dropped me like a hot rock. And she said to me, Bill, you should do therapy. You're insecure. I'm like, I'm not insecure. And then another buddy's like, you should meditate. I'm like, I'm from Jersey. We white knuckle it. It's all good. I'm 31. We don't even say nice words to each other, let alone meditate. Exactly. Meditate. What are you talking about? And sure enough, I meditated one night, March 17th, 1996, and my world imploded. I literally fell to the ground in a pool of tears and I hadn't cried in probably 10 years. And I woke up and I heard, I know you're going to sound crazy. I heard, welcome back. And I'm like, oh my God, they're going to take me away in a straitjacket. They're literally (laughs) going to take me away in a straitjacket. And in that moment, I realized, oh my gosh, there is a world inside of us that mm, I had no idea was there. Now, here's the crazy part. I started reading. I couldn't get enough. Read, meditate, read, meditate. I was working on a trading floor. I'd come back, put my sweats on meditate, weep, come to. My grandfather had been dead for seven years, was coming back to me in my dreams. Say, teach me yoga, teach me meditation. And I'd wake up going, okay, there is something bigger here. And I'm not propounding, you know, I'm a big believer. If you think of anything kind of new agey or, or, you know, 
trans, uh, transformational or transpersonal, whatever that is. I've tried every modality. The point is our heart and our, and our bodies store unbelievable amounts of information. That's the big takeaway for me. There's so much information here that for any entrepreneur out there, it's really use of self. That's a term from social work school, use of self. What is your use of self in your daily job? Well, your use of self will be bigger and bigger if you know self. And you know the 14-year-old that lives inside you. And you know the eight-year-old that, that wants to laugh and wants to sing and wants to dance. That eight-year-old has his needs still, her needs still. That 14-year-old is living powerfully. The angry 14-year-old in me thinks all adults are idiots. Literally, I, if I slow down, if I slow down, close my eyes, I could tap into that 14-year-old. I could tell you exactly how he's feeling. Bill's kind of cool. He's a little bit bombastic. He's great. I love him. But all adults are kind of idiots. So here, I, I ran a juvenile justice program when I was 39 years old for Black and Hispanic boys in Stanford, Connecticut for three years. And the reason I was really good at it is because I understood what those 14-year-olds are feeling about me and the world around them. Mm -hmm. And so what's my point? The point is that's self. I was using self. I wasn't using any other magical tool. I was trying to find out who is Bill. And it's yeah. always evolving. It's always moving. We're part of this bigger thread. And, and, and um, you nailed it. I mean, I just, it's so important for when you set your goals, knowing where you're at today it's going to change the complex and the context and the tone of your goal setting. And if you're setting goals based on nervousness or you're not going to like getting quiet, going, what do I really want? I really want the financial goals, but I really want to do a couple of things. I always tell people, David Daddy said it, way the superior man. He says, it, I think in the first couple of sentences, he says, every human being should be doing something they love for an hour a day, no matter what it is. If you like to collect garbage, Go collect garbage. You like to paint on sidewalks, paint on sidewalks. You got to do one thing every day that is your thing. Even if you're building a business, you got this thousand people working for you. If you're not tapping into that energy of doing what you love, what the 14-year-old loves, what the 18-year-old inside of you loves, what the 10-year-old loves to do, you're not getting it all up. Yeah. yeah. There's so much that's coming up for me. I, <laughs> I remember... I remember doing a podcast interview with a guy who created a garbage truck um, company and he was the happiest person ever. And, and I'm sorry, it wasn't a garbage truck company. He would go pick up garbage. Mm. And he, I asked him like, how did this start? And he says, I just liked to pick up garbage. And so <laughs> I would go do it. And then I realized that like, there was a lot of garbage to pick up and people would pay me for it. He's like, but I just like to be outside. And if it meant that I got to pick up some garbage while I was out there, I was good. And I remember thinking, what the hell is wrong with you? And what you said was, was so perfect because we try too often to logically explain ourselves to the people around us, to logically explain why our, whatever it is we love to do, rises to that level of prestige that the people around us have convinced us or allowed us to convince ourselves that we have to have. Absolutely. And I think what it is, is once we reach that certain level of shoulda, coulda in a career, right? Like you, you reach that point, like when you're making this money, you're like, why aren't I not happy? It's a, I don't feel like we can truly get to that breaking point until we have a little bit of success, ironically, when we realize, okay, like for me, I had this great material success. I'm like, this is where it's supposed to be good. And not only is it not good, it sucks. Yeah. And then you're like, and that's when, that's when I, that's when I started realizing, oh my God, I got to find out what I really want. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a journey. It's lonely. It, you know, it is lonely. It's a lonely it's, journey. It's lonely. And it's not at the same time. Like as soon as you accept that there are, as you put it so well, all of these people inside of you to keep you company, you know what I mean? Like yes. th that's, I remember when I first started this journey and I had decided I needed to be alone for a little bit. Mm. And people were sending me memes because that's how we learn now. Um, people were sending me memes. Smiley face. Yes. Um, and it said like, learn to be alone. And then there was another one that was like, learn to love yourself. And I was like, that's great. How? Like, how? How do I do this? Right. Because there's so many people out there who say, you know, you can't love yourself until, or you can't love anybody else till you love yourself. That's true. You yeah. can't be there for anybody else until you're there for yourself. That's true. That's great. How do we get there? So you've mentioned meditation a few times, which I 100% um, stand by, which is odd because I never thought I meditated. Mm. And then I realized that every morning, 
without fail, I am at the dog park watching the sunrise with my oh, dog. And that's wow. my meditation. Sure, like, beautiful. It's, beautiful. it doesn't have to be oming, right? Like, Correct. Um, so yeah. outside of meditation, what is a piece of advice that you have for somebody out there who's saying, yes, I know I need to love myself. I know I need to find myself worth. I know I need to, you know, be here for myself. I don't know where to start. Mm. So, um, in every counseling session I do, and even in, in sometimes in business, but every counseling session, the goal is to get the person, forget about meditation, just close your eyes and imagine you're talking to yourself in fourth grade. That fourth grade you, like if we did it right now, close your eyes, it wouldn't be meditation. You go back to that fourth grade, you ask the fourth grade, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. What do you want to do? I want to go ride my bike. I want to go do something, right? That energy lives. And so you ask the great question, how does somebody kind of begin to kind of take that next step is go find a piece of energy and a desire from that part of you, which is in you already, and it's driving you already, and just connect to it. John Bradshaw wrote the book, Homecoming, Grace book, you know, uh, Work on the Inner Child, wrote it in 1990. It's groundbreaking work. If you'll never read another book again, read that one. And it's just about tapping into that energy source. And what you'll do by doing that, you'll be like, oh, I used to color. Oh, I'm just going to color a little bit. You're like, well, how is that going to solve my problems and get me off to get to that space of joy? And then when you're in that place of joy, launch an idea. When you're in that yeah. place of relaxation, launch the next product. When you're in that place, launch your goal. Don't launch goals from the hardened left brain mm. adult, I gotta, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Because there's wow. resentment. There's all these barbs of stuff I didn't get to. I get it. I got all the bumper stickers. Yeah. Get to that fourth grader. What I have people do is count down. I want you to imagine in your class in fourth grade, your fourth grader comes in, let's start a conversation. Boom. And you'd be shocked at what comes up. Oh, that's so powerful. I'm thinking back because one of the most frustrating things that I hear and um, no disrespect because I love Simon Sinek very much. <laughs> However, I also hate the word why and I hate the, um, it hates a strong word. I very much think we should not use this word. Um, and, and to me, for high achievers like us that tried to um, outrun our emotional past, we kind of created this belief that if we were going to do something, there had to be this ingrained reason for it. Right. I, when people say, why did you go to law school? I'm like, dude, there's like 12 answers for that. Which one would you like? <laughs> like at which stage of my life do you want me to tell you the reasons I went to law school? Because our right brain on. creates stories, right. Yeah. To justify whatever we need at the time. So wherever you're at, you're going to create that. Why? At the same time, the idea of this like purpose of what you want to do and what makes you happy is so important. And I recently went through this thing where um, when I was a kid, I finally realized that when I was a kid, I wanted to be a singer. And um, I can't really do that. It's not, I'm not, I'm not awful, but I'm not getting any record deals anytime soon. And um, I remember being at a conference about three years ago and I'm, you know, when I was, uh, when I was a kid, I would see myself like I, I was a karaoke queen. I would see myself with the mic. I'd see myself with people, right. They're all jamming out to what I'm singing. And then I get to this conference after I'm an attorney and I've decided that I'm a logical person. Um, and I have no emotions because those are painful. <laughs> so I'm sitting there listening to these people speak and I'm noticing that every single person that comes out walks out to walkout music and every single person mm. that walks out has a microphone in their hand and every single person that walks out is on a stage and they're talking to people who are listening to what they're saying and jamming out to their message and being inspired by the words they're saying. And it hit me that we can only understand those feelings that you're talking about, that purpose, that joy. We can only understand those in as far as we'll allow our perception to expand, mm. right? If Good I had point. never gone to those conferences, I never would have known that that world exists and that that purpose, what that, you know, for, as you say, fourth grader was trying to do could be accomplished in a way that also satisfies my intellectual side. But until you expand those- yeah. So yeah. I'm a huge believer that people need to get out of their comfort zone, yeah, that they need time. to expand their perception. 
how do you push yourself to do that? Like, how do you make sure you're not staying complacent? I used to have these post-its all over my, uh, of these quotes uh, on my bathroom. My wife's like, you are lost your marbles. And one of them was do something that you're afraid of every day. Do something that brings you some kind of fear. And, and trust me, I'm not jumping out of planes anytime soon, but I, when I'm done with this, I will go for a really old, old man run of two to three miles. And it's, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. I really don't want to do it, but I come from use it or lose it world. That, that's my sensibility. Bill, if you can run today and you're not, you've done yourself a disservice. And so that's something that I really don't want to do. Am I afraid of it? I'm not afraid of it, but it's painful. I would much rather just go watch TV. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying, here's my, my true goal. And this is what, this is what the Hindus say. And, and Robert Monroe talks about in, in ultimate journey, far journey. Um, we're here to complete our life. We're here to complete it. And we get a certain amount of time. We'll probably reincarnate. The Hindus say we have a million lifetimes, billion lifetimes. We just keep coming back. So I know this is a long game, but I don't want to leave anything on the table. I don't yeah. want to leave anything here. I want to do the work. I remember when I first started meditating and I was really, really not happy. I mean, really not happy. And you have those thoughts of like, is it really worth it? And what I heard was, you're just going to have to get back on the bus. You're just going to have to get back on the bus. And so I kind of had that realization at 32. I'm like, man, I'm just, I want to finish this stuff up. I want to get it all out of me. And I think great entrepreneurs have that desire of enjoy it. You got to enjoy it. You got to enjoy it. But, you know, that tree is not going to stop growing. That squirrel is not going to stop being a squirrel. That grass, they call it the epigenetic force. Everything in the universe is trying to finish it up. That tree right now is just trying to be the best tree, the biggest tree and finish up its life. I gel with trees. I like, I, I, I'm, sounds crazy, but I'm just tuning into like, they're not like worried about tomorrow. They're just present. And trust me, it's not easy. Um, I just want to finish strong. I don't want to leave anything it. on the table. That's it. I, I mean. love it. I love it. There's something about nature. I remember the first time I went ocean kayaking and I was sitting in the ocean mm -hmm. and I, I thought, you know, we're trained to re believe that we're like this big energetic force, which we are. Don't get me wrong. Sure. You find out how small you really are sitting in a kayak on the ocean. Yeah. And is I feel the same way about all of nature. I love to be in nature for that purpose. Like you look around and you're like, my problems really don't matter as much <laughs> as I thought they did. Like in the grand scheme of things, like there was a, there was a, I was going to call it a picture, but let's be real. It was a meme um, that somebody sent me that was like the universe. And it said, you are here right? Like, and, <laughs> yeah. and you got like this whole universe right, and it's like, right. you are here. And I was like, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of people that need to hear that. And so it, I, I love that answer. You nailed it. And, and the Hindus have this practice where they call it the elements meditation. We're just think we're just elements. We're just, we're the exact same thing. Our carbon makeup, our high, high, we're the exact same thing is that we just have this thing that animates us. And we've got this rational brain that somehow has separated us from mother earth. But Mother Earth is going to keep going. So we either get on board or yeah. we fight the forces and, and the forces are completing. The forces are energy wants to rise up. The energy wants to complete itself. Your, your best, Amber, your fullest, Amber, your fullest life is right here. But it doesn't start here. It starts here yeah. in the limbic system, in your belly, in your desire world. Your desire. So a great kind of the way I've been taught is that we have our desire world, which is based on our gut and our heart, and we have our belief world. And the depression, the lack of sense of self, this kind of malaise that we feel as human beings is there's a gap between what we believe we can achieve and what we truly desire. They say that's truly what depression is because we've built up this resonance of, I can't achieve that, I can't achieve that. And yet our desire world is not gonna stop desiring. Yeah. It's built. Just like that tree, the kundalini in the tree and the kundalini in you and the kundalini in me, it's going to finish. Now we just got to get our brain on board. How? Slow down. What do we want? What do we really want? Yeah, that, that's, that's, yeah, I like it. Um, I'm not speechless very often, but I love what you're talking about right now. You're awesome. So how does somebody in the sales and financial mm. world um, end up on a podcast talking about meditation and, you know, energy and trees. Boy, oh boy. 
um, I feel like part of my completing in this lifetime is just sharing these 25 years of madness, let's call it, of this, you know, awareness. Um, just, I feel like, it sounds really crazy, Amber, I guess I'm just going to share. I feel like Mother Earth needs some help. And that if, if one human, if I can help one other person be slightly more aware of themselves through the experience that I have had and continue to have, then that one person can send that out. And then that one person sends that out. And so, you know, I just feel like I just want to talk about the most simplest exercise that human beings have been doing over 200,000 years, which is finding oneself's center in the belly. And through that, there's a sense of wholeness. I don't really like that word, sense of belief. And that then that person can go hold space for somebody else. And maybe we'll have less chaos. Yeah. Maybe I can do, maybe I can do one moment of less chaos in the entire universe. I'll feel like I've done something because I couldn't not do something anymore. And I'm not saying it's great or constructive. I just, for me, working with other people is my thing, right? People are like, oh, you're really helping other people. No, no, I'm working on Bill. Yeah. I'm just working on Bill. It's, it's a, I'm being a little facetious here. It's a, it's a, it's an illusion that I'm helping others when I'm really trying to help myself, but just me being in that space, this here, this space is the space I want to be. And I want to share, I want to share, I want to put it out there and have other people chew on it and find their way. You know, if people can complete, finish your life. How do you do it? Go find the desire and put it out. Robert Monroe says, the only reason we come back as humans is to finish. Well, how do we finish? We take everything from the left, the right brain, the emotional world, this non-physical world, the right brain, non-physical world, which is attached to eternity through the, through the reptilian midbrain, heart and belly. This is attached to everything, intuition. And we put it out into the material world. And we need our left brain to do that. But we don't let the left brain lead. We lead with the right, the right brain, emotional world, the non-physical that physicalizes. That's the exercise of being human. And so how do we know? We have to know what's coming through us non-physically, know our emotions in order to rightfully or, or in a right way, put it out there. Yeah. So we're really just, we're really just um, um, entities that are, that are switching stations for our non-physical to the physical. Man. And that's what the tree is. The tree is taking photosynthesis. It's taking the sun's light, converting it to, that's what we're doing. We're yeah. taking Mother Earth's elements, all this non-physical stuff, and putting it into the earth. I just want to do it the best way I can. And I still haven't figured it out. Dude, I'll tell you what. If I was to ask you all the questions I wanted to ask you, we'd still be talking on Saturday. So um, <laughs> I should probably switch gears. But okay. I I mean, I love this. And um, I'm sure that for everybody that's saying, hey, no, I want more, that there will be more later on. Um, I want to switch to the success element because okay. I make sure that this is in my podcast every single episode because mm. there's so many people out there who, you know, you said earlier, you feel alone, you know, and we are amazing at human beings as at convincing ourselves that we're the only ones that feel these emotions. Right. And so that logical brain is like, nobody else understands what I'm going through. And then when you do the work, as you said before, you realize that everybody else feels the same thing that you do. And I know that anybody who's ever went for that degree, everybody who's ever tried to open that business, they have the imposter syndrome. They have the fear of failure and they think they're the only one, right? They hear us on this podcast and say, man, they just must have it figured out. So I'm screwed. So um, it all starts for me with really being clear on what success means to you, what it means to mm. you every day what it means to you every week, what it means to you every year. Like, I think if you can break it down to a yeah. daily success, then your life will be a success for you. What does success mean? So I have this kind of macro bigger picture experience and vision of what success is, which is teaching on a bigger scale. Um, you know, my wife wants to do her thing with her, with her animal rescue stuff. So that's the big goal. Success for me is kind of just being able to teach at a slightly higher scale, maybe just slightly higher than I'm doing right now. That's true success for me because I know I'm going to feel good and I feel like I can touch other people. I break that down to daily finishing up my day. Did I feel successful today? Even if I didn't have a great constructive kind of business sales day, did I finish something? 
Did I just finish something that had a beginning, middle, and often that's why I just go for a run because it's got a beginning, middle, and end. And so I come home, I'm sweaty, I feel better about myself for a brief moment in time, <laughs> and I completed something. And so I, I think success has to be, if we think only of the global macro sense of our success, of I've got to have that business, I've got to have a million bucks in there, I've got to have 100,000 followers, all that stuff. We end up hiring you. <laughs> yeah, and, and we don't feel, we're not going to get that tomorrow. We're not going to get that next week. But I just feel like, and I just kind of, kind of ingrained in me that if I stay committed to my day, I believe I'm going to build to tomorrow. And it sounds so corny and so cliche, but I really, really do focus on a success for today. Yeah. And I had a great conversation with you. I had an earlier podcast. I had, um, we're working on this next program we're doing for, for work. You know, do I feel almost complete? No, I don't feel 100%. I feel about 80%. But it's okay. And, and I maybe just got older and, and, and I'm happy about that. Um, but really breaking up kind of three tranches of success, the big one, the middle one, and today. And I think that's the hardest thing, Amber, because there is no tomorrow. That no, sounds so not. new agey, but it's a fucking, excuse my French, it's an illusion. Not the first time they've heard it from me. So, <laughs> um, you know, there are, I always know the podcast interviews that are going to change my life because I have to collect myself multiple times in them. And, and this is one of those episodes. And what is so amazing to me is we were talking about before we came on, we were talking about my dad passing away mm. and because of him passing away so young, I always knew that life was short and people say life is short, right? Life is short. So I must do all the things. And what you just said was so powerful. If you try to do all the things, you're never going to get any of them. Like focusing down to that day, being in the moment, forgetting that life is short. That's how you honor life. And I don't think that I have ever heard anybody put it quite like you. Mm. That just mm. completely, because I, I used to tell people all the time, for somebody whose dad passed away at 42, I forget that life is short every single day. And then you say that, and I'm like, that's why I forget life is short every single day because I'm too Powerful. worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Well, it's interesting. There's three mini deaths, sex, meditation, and sleep. That's what they call the mini deaths. In French, I think the word, it's, it's the similar word for each one. When we go to sleep, we are dying from the rational material world and entering the non-physical through our dream state. Sex is the same thing. You leave, you have that moment of, um, and meditation is the same way. You're going to alpha. And so I try to, when I lay down at night, I do my relaxation. I'm typically tapping into, you know, my, my old days or whatever. And I just want to wrap up my day. I wrap up my day. And I feel like today was a lifetime. You know, it was, it was 12 hours of a lifetime. And I really, I want to look at it that way because I can't figure out any other way to look at it because I've tried every other way of looking at it and, and resentment and frustration and self-loathing and all that not feeling good enough because I haven't achieved what all my buddies have achieved at this age with their money and all that kind of stuff. Boy, oh boy, I can, I can go right, right there. I can go right into regret and anger and yeah. frustration, um, which I often do. But then I realize I'm in it. I'm doing it. I'm pushing and I'm breathing and I just, it helps me. It really, yeah. really helps me, you know, and, and teaching that and showing that and just demonstrating that for my kids. My daughter just called while we were on the call. Um, you know, she'll have something that she needs to do. And I'm always just trying to go, let's, let's feel into it. What do we need? There's a bigger picture here. And I always say, and I love this. And somebody taught me this 10 years from now, Amber, when you look back on today, what are you going to remember? Mm -hmm. Right, 20 years from now, what are you gonna to remember today? I always talk about when people go into these rough lives. When you look back on what if I look back five years from now, look out today, I'm like, all right, I, I'm I'm pushing out, I'm doing the best I can. I wouldn't beat myself up. My 60-year-old self wouldn't beat myself up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you know what's so powerful about that is that for most of us, the answer to that question is nothing because there's so much trauma that's surrounding what's going on in our days that we don't want to remember, that yeah. we won't be able to remember the good things. Like right. I didn't have any memories of my dad until a couple of years ago. Like I had little ones and I, I had right. stories, but I didn't have memories because memories meant I had to remember the pain, mm -hmm. right? Memories remember, I and 
So when you say, what do you want to remember about today? Like we all have things that we want to remember about today, but 10 years down the road, are we going to allow ourselves to remember all the things we didn't deal with as well? And like, so, so powerful. Unbelievable. And and let me ask you a question. How did you start remembering your dad's life and your, and your, and your experience with him and of him? So for me, um, we talked about the fact that I didn't feel successful and then I started my business and then somebody introduced me to a success boot camp, and I thought, here it is. Like it just took me 35 years to find, but I'm an attorney. I'm going to go in. There's going to be a checklist. One, two, three, four, five success. And, um, it was my first introduction to NLP. And, um, I sat there for, four hours and listen to somebody tell me that the reason that I am not successful is because I'm not allowing myself to be. And I was intrigued by that. And so I allowed myself to dig in to that world. And I just got my trainer certification in NLP. And it was not until I got my trainer certification, which was about three months ago that I really healed. Um, I started to be able to have conversations with him um, about a year ago. I started to be able to know that he's here with me and never really left about a year ago. And that all of the things that I was resentful for, because I thought I missed out on when he passed away, I get to have those conversations with him now, um, which totally blew my mind the first time that it happened. We used to fly quick sidebar. We used to fly all the time. I grew up in a plane. My uncle had a pilot's license and like before I could walk, I was flying. And I kept trying to sit on a bench, right? There's an exercise that we obviously work with, with our clients, sit on a bench with the person, have the conversation. And I couldn't get my dad to sit on this bench with me. Other people kept showing up and I was getting so frustrated and I was flying home from a training and I always sit behind the wing um, to where I can see the sky out of the window, but I can just see a little bit of the wing. And um, I was looking out the window and all of a sudden I realized that my dad was sitting on the wing of the plane and I was having a conversation with him. Oh my God, that's phenomenal. Um, and, and he's never really left me. Like that's, he's just, oh, he's always there, but- The tears, the beauty, the, the magic in that. We can have such deeper relationships when people pass. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's insane. And there's crazy. so many things that, but people think- it, it doesn't make logical sense, yeah, yeah. right? And and also, this is the other mistake people make. They tie it to religion. And, and maybe that's just because I grew up in a very religious town. Sure. But they think that when they have these experiences, when you were talking, I've been debating whether or not to tell you this story now or off <laughs> recording, and I guess it's coming out now. <laughs> so um, when you were talking about, was it your um, grandpa or your uncle? Grandfather. Passed, your father, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Grandfather, um, yeah. My uncle passed away when I was 15 Mm. and we, um, my grandma wasn't home and we didn't want her to get home because they live next door to each other. So we all stayed in his house and I used to walk and talk in my sleep. And, um, the night that he passed away, I slept on his living room floor and I woke up to my mom standing over me panicking and me asking her what was going on. And she says, you've been screaming your uncle's name for the last 15 minutes and nobody oh could wake you up. My and I remember, and I, I, it took me years before I would tell anybody this, that I was in this most peaceful state where my uncle was tell, like, I, I, I couldn't see his face, but I could feel his energy yeah. and I knew it was him. And he was telling me that he was okay. He was in a better place and asking me to take care of my grandma. Wow. And so when you talked about your father, that came to my mind. And I remember thinking as, as time went on and I became less engulfed in religion, I remember thinking, that's what I miss about religion. Mm -hmm. And then when I became more aware of myself, I realized that's not religion. That's spiritually and self-awareness It has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with religion. The two can coincide. They just often don't. That's the problem. Yeah. And, um, you the word shaman so you're you're a shaman the word shaman means one who dreams and brings the information back and you're doing that naturally that is your you have this powerful powerful you know lack of better words psychic gift that is is the real kind of core basis of of your your success is based on many things but you have that ability to read and understand and know the non-physical so the non-physical drives everything in the physical there is nothing that emerges in physical that hasn't come 
from non-physical. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Yeah. That tree came from a seed. Your experience, you're tapping into your uncle's energy. He was just an energetic force. That's a, he's a, he's a teacher. It's, it's powerful. That's what I've learned through all this work is we have all these resources. Try tapping in. Don't let anything get in the way of tapping in like you did yeah. to that non-physical source called intuition. I dream every single night. I remember my dreams every single night. They drive me crazy because I don't get all, <laughs> I, I don't understand them. Um, but there's a ton of information there. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this, just to remind people before we went off on the yeah. amazing tangent <laughs> and down, I just need to call this the rabbit hole podcast because this is what like every single episode, right? Um, we were talking about success. We were talking about how you make sure that every single day is a success for you. So with that definition of success in mind, I have come to believe that we are architects of our own life, that we draw out a blueprint and then we get the tools and the resources. And then we surround ourselves with the people who can help us execute our perfect, amazing life. Mm -hmm. As you design that life for yourself with success in mind, what is a practical tip that you have for somebody that's on this journey of how to build that blueprint. Um, and would you say the question is based on the context of what resources to learn how to draw in, how to ask the resources, what, what context? Um, whatever, whatever that means to you, what resources you use to make sure that you are designing a life and, and living life intentionally, not reacting to the world mm. around you. Mm, great question. And I can use the example of when I started my counseling practice, um, while I was still in the financial field, but I said, I, ne I need to do this. And I, I kept it very simple. I had a little bit of a, um, uh, just wrote down a couple pieces of paper of what I wanted to achieve, how many clients, and, and it wasn't the specifics necessarily that was kind of my blueprint. It was much more of, I need to get a place. I need to start putting it out there. And I wanted to see if, if I was enjoying it. So the first thing was a non-physical research, which was, am I enjoying it? Is this something that's engaging me? And I would come home and it was like, I'd made a million dollars. And I just had a couple counseling clients and I knew the blueprint for me as a water sign, as somebody kind of driving and, and kind of seemingly influenced a lot by the nine physical, by emotions, by my dreams that I wanted to be, I wanted to feel like I was replicating the feeling of connecting and teaching. And then I was able to do it on a slightly bigger scale because I did a little advertising. And then suddenly I had to get more organized. I had to set up the calendar. And so the blueprint was really, I started out on the inside. Um, I had the, I, I started out with setting the goal, but then backing it up with how I feel and how I'm doing and how my clients are responding. So I had the end goal I wanted, I think in the first year I wanted to have five clients. We blew that out of the water. Um, so I wanted to have five and I wanted to charge a certain amount. I was undercharging at certain points, but so the blueprint was, can I get the clients? Yes. So what's the structure? Okay. What time of day? Perfect. And so I started building in this piece of where I was in every moment and were clients getting what they needed, what else did they need? So maybe it's not as exact or structured as, as um, other people might need, especially if they're kind of doing more widgets as opposed to kind of the, this kind of teaching role. Um, but it really was based on looking at my, my day, week, and month, was I adding value? Was I feeling good about it? And if I get bigger, what's that cost going to be? What's going to be the, the layer? It got to the point where I was going to quit my day job and do this full time. Um, so it was really, it, for me, it was the experience of what I was doing. And was I picking up that other people were, were getting something from it? And that, that to me catalyzed it. And I actually had to take myself off psychology today because I was getting too many, too many clients I couldn't handle. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm you know, good or bad or whatever. It just, I achieved it faster because I was so committed to it. And here's what I'll tell you. I believe it's a desire-based world. People say, you know, guys that make all this money, it, what it is is focus, right? It's all about focus. It's condensed. They say true intelligence is really a focused brain. Yes, some people have the ability to focus better, but I I took all my attention of what I wanted to do. And then I focused on something specific and I stuck with that. And I was committed to my own process and helping people create their own process through a therapeutic work. 
and it worked. And that to me was proof that start out with the desire, take it all the way until you're either exhausted or it's not working, but keep that focus. And I think that the great thing, the great thing and the challenge of the entrepreneur, especially folks that are listening to this podcast is they're smart. They've got good EQ and they're, they're going to be good probably at most things that they try. Do you know what I mean? Like that it's kind of a curse. Um, whereas you could go off and do sales. You could run, like you could do all these things and be successful. Come back to what do you want? Yeah. Right. And focus on that and keep that, keep that thread going as hard and as fast as you can until you're willing. And here's another thing too. I've gotten really good at pulling the plug on something that just doesn't feel right. Pull the plug. Yeah. Thank you. And that's a hard thing for people to do. And I learned that in the financial field. I had these great, super successful fund managers. You don't like the trade. You get losing money. Just get out. Don't yeah. ask questions. Just, just go. It was a tremendous lesson because there's a regret. Oh my God, I'm, I'm building my sense of self on this position I have. I've spent so much time and resources and exactly. energy getting here, right? And people don't understand because even now I have these conversations. I have an exit plan for my law firm. Five, six, seven years. I don't know what it looks like. Um, I don't know what the exit plan looks like. I may stay a silent partner. I may sell it. I don't know yet. Yeah. I know that it will not be my life. And yeah. when I tell people that, they almost go green and they're like why would you spend this much time getting Planning. to where yeah. you are yeah and then give it up and i said the better question is why would i spend the rest of my life doing something i'm not meant to do bingo why bingo. so that whole that's permission beautiful. to shift that yeah. whole permission to change that's something that so many people need to hear whether you're in a 9 to 5 a corporate world entrepreneur world academic world like you can create your reality whenever you want it's scary but it's also the most exciting thing for me. Transition, change, everything's in a state of change. Everything's in a state of becoming, right? And how do you know if you're not in your true state of becoming? How do you feel? Yep. I feel lethargic. Okay, what makes you feel energized? I don't know. Okay, let's just find it, right? You are, no matter what, there is no, there is no, inertia is a kind of a construct from the, from the left brain that just doesn't feel tapped into the right brain, but that tree is not gonna stop becoming. every single day. And so I just say, be relentless in what you feel relentless and checking in how you feel relentless. I am just, my my wife's like, God, are we going to talk about this again? I'm like, yeah, we need to get to the bottom of it. She's like, you've lost your mind. Um, but you know, that's the warrior spirit. That's what you have. That's what that's, um, just find the thing that I know it sounds so corny, but like, just find one thing. I, so there's always little steps when people are feeling really negative, really depressed, really kind of just down and out in the therapeutic world is do something small that you've completed today, right? If somebody's really depressed, like what would that be? I don't know. Make a meal and clean up, um, you know, go outside and sweep the deck and finish it, begin middle and end something. And what you're doing is you're creating a loop, right? Cause all these open loops, make for a depressive experience, right? We've got all these open loops. I feel less than it brings resentment. I'm totally frustrated. I can't get going. Totally get that. Got all the bumper stickers for that. So just find something you can do small, find something small, build small. Don't, don't build a business tomorrow, build a sense of what you can begin middle and end today. And then you're going to do it again. You're going to do it again. And suddenly that big idea is going to come. You're going to take a bigger, a bigger chunk out of it. Yeah. I love it. If people want to follow up on this conversation, if they want to continue this, because sadly our time is coming to an end, um, what is the best way for people to reach out and connect with you? So they can connect. Um, my website's wholecounseling.com. It's like whole foods, but wholecounseling.com. Um, I guess here comes the plug. Uh, the book came out last year. It's called Waking Up Marriage, Finding Truth in Your Partnership. It's not about marriage. It's about working on oneself. Um, it's really kind of a, I, I quote 67 different sources. I really wanted to find the other smart people and use them as references for my storyline, which is life is just about working on yourself. It's about really understanding yourself in the dyad of any relationship, grandmother, grandfather. Um, So that book's out everywhere in Amazon, um, but wholecounseling.com, my information's on there. 
I love it. Um, and the link for your book as well as link for your website will be in oh, awesome. um, the show notes for this. So yeah. everybody can access those. I would highly suggest you guys go get the book. I can tell you <laughs> from the hour and a half that we have spent together um, <laughs> that that book will completely impact your life and your future. So before sweet. we wrap up, yes. I cannot let you go without the random round that you had no okay. idea was Here coming. Are you oh, ready God. for this? Here we go. Strap myself in. Yes, ma'am. All right. Really quickly, this episode is brought to you by Success Development Solutions and the Design Your Life Mastermind. Are you someone who is a serial accomplisher? Let me explain what I mean by that. Are you searching for that next thing that you need to accomplish to find the happiness, fulfillment, or success you've been missing? You keep thinking, I'll be happy when. Believe me, I've said those words and I know your pain. I used to chase success like it was a pot of gold at the end of some accomplishment rainbow. And just like that pot of gold, the closer I got, the further away it seemed. Because it's an illusion. It doesn't exist. If somebody was to ask you what does success mean to you and you can't answer that question, then the Design Your Life Mastermind is for you. Head over to designyourlife.successdevelopmentsolutions.com to schedule a call with me and see if we're a good fit to work together. The sooner you do, the sooner you can start living the life you've always wanted instead of chasing an illusion that you'll never obtain. If you could time travel, where would you go and why? I would go to the Northeast in the year 1000. Okay. And hang out with Very the natives. Specific. I like yeah, it. Hang out with the natives. Yeah. I feel like I've been there. I feel like I was there. I just, I want to go revisit and hang out and talk to the elders and get some wisdom that I can bring back to today. I love it. If you could do any profession, skill and knowledge is not a deciding factor. What would you like to oh, do? Gosh, professional soccer player, but those days Ooh. are long gone. Um, professional soccer player. That's what I always dreamed to do. I played decent little division three soccer, but, um, teach. I, I'm a, I'm, I, I, I see myself, it sounds so good. I see myself with those, you know, patches on the blazer teaching at some school that's a brick, brick and mortar school. And just, I love the, they say there's three things that keep people young. It's hanging out with young people, eating well and sleep. And just hanging out with young energy to me, is just magic. Magic. Yeah, that seems so counterintuitive. A lot of times hanging around with young people in sleep don't actually correlate. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I, there was, I saw something once that said, I keep telling myself I'm in my 20s and then I hang out with 20 year olds and I'm like, nope, I'm 40. Um, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. All right. When it comes to resources, do you like to physically read a book? Do you like to listen to a book? What's your preferred method of, I'm a, of taking I'm a physical it? reader. I'm Are you a highlighter? I'm and a like highlighter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've got probably nine books next to my my bed. I got three here. I just read them over and over again because what you read today is different than what you picked up five years ago because five years of water have gone under the bridge. Mm -hmm. and, you, and, and where I am five years later, it's amazing. I read, I'm like, I read that four years ago. I didn't pick that up. I didn't yeah. understand that. So yeah. I find the good ones and I, I guess I should branch out a little bit and read some other books, but I feel like so many today's books are based on some of these kind of really core books mm -hmm. from the past. But yeah, I'm a reader. I'm a hard copy guy. I love it. Um, what book do you think that you have recommended or gifted to new entrepreneurs the most in any area, emotional, tactical, whatever? Good to great. Ooh, that is a good one. Phenomenal, phenomenal book. He talks about meaning and purpose. You don't have to hire a person of skill. You hire a person who gets on the bus and understands the team environment. And it really goes to show, goes, correlates to what Dan Goldman said when he wrote the book, Emotional Intelligence, back in 1995. He's done the research over the last 10 years. And he said this, which is powerful. Once you're 10 years in your career, once you're 10 years in, 80% of your success is based on emotional intelligence, not IQ. It's yeah. based on EQ. In other words, once you're 10 years in, Yes, you can learn new skills. Yes, you can do, yeah, but really what you're doing and what you're imbuing, what you're sharing is the wisdom from your intuition. And yeah. that's why he's always like, work on your EQ. Your IQ stops evolving at 16. Well, and not only that, but what, I mean, what good are those tools and your resources if you don't know how to use them, right? If you exactly. can't figure out how to hold them, how to how to talk about those. I love that so much. Yeah, All right. Yeah. And by far my most important question, because I am a music oh. nerd. Oh, um, what is your pump up song? What do you listen to when you need to get grounded, when you are having a rough day and need to be motivated? What is that song? I just got goosebumps burning down the house, talking heads, burning down the house. My wife's like, what is your problem, Bill? I'm like, yes. I think I'm back in college. 
So this is going to be amazing because what I don't tell anybody until after they answer this question is I have a secret playlist of all of my guest answers to that song. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Every guest that has ever answered that. And I am happy to send that to you if you would like it. Um, It has everything from classical to hardcore rap on it. And it just, it it is 150 episodes of people telling me what they're, and I found that if I started telling people that before they answered the question, yes. that their yeah. question, their answer changed. Yes. That's a great so, call. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, there is the brain preconditioned. Ha <laughs> ha. What yes. am I supposed to say? Does it correlate? Yes. Nobody's ever going to know this. Yeah. So I can say it now. Exactly. Um, Bill, I greatly appreciate oh you God, coming on. You. I appreciate the connection that we've been able to build. And I am sure mm. that there is a long lasting professional friendship that is going to come from this. I hope um, Amber, this I is cannot great. tell you how much I appreciate your time. I ditto. This is beautiful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the More Than Corporate podcast. If anything that was said during this episode resonated with you or provided value in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the More Than Corporate podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. If you'd also like to connect, I've created a Facebook group that is full of amazing people who also make it their mission to live their best life every single day. If that's sounds like something that you're interested in the name of that facebook group is success center head over there request to join and i look forward to connecting with you soon